Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Barb Hill. Barb is on the show joining me to talk about how a little invitation goes a long way because this season we are correlating each episode with my devotional titled, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. You know, in our own lives, a simple invitation can have such power and Jesus is constantly inviting us to dine and to see and to be renewed, to be blessed and to take up our cross. And so we're going to be talking about that today, along with Barb's devotional, Seasons of Waiting, and she's extending an invitation to hope. So I can't wait for you to tune into today's conversation as we discover how a little invitation goes a long way. Hello, Barb, and welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So today's conversation is all about how a little invitation can go a long way. So thank you for accepting my invitation and saying yes to joining me. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm excited and this is going to be fun. So when did you first accept the invitation to follow Christ for yourself as, as your Lord and your Savior? Yeah. So I would say I had two pivotal moments um, in my life around that. First, when I was a little girl, um, understanding what I could um, and um, putting my faith in Christ as a little girl. And then a little bit later down the track, when I was going into high school, it was the summer before high school, I went to a summer camp. Um, My parents kind of sent me there kicking and screaming (laughs) and um, had this really profound moment around a campfire um, where I just had this really personal um, revelation of sorts of God and his love for me. And um, that really changed the trajectory of my life. Um, And uh, yeah, it just changed the course of where I went. I can, I can definitely see at that point where my life could have gone um, had I not had that moment of revelation of, of God and his love for me. Um, So really grateful for both moments. Um, I think they, uh, one built on another. So yeah, I think I think the same is true for really all of us. Our stories are continuing to build and little by little, so to speak. Mm-hmm. He's forming our testimonies and shaping us and continuing to invite us into a deeper relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And you know, Barb, you are a also a licensed professional counselor and your voice is so soothing. Like I'm always like, gosh, <laughs> can I just sit in your office and talk to you for hours? I'm sure. So what what drew you to this kind of work in ministry? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I feel like my journey to becoming a therapist was full of like a million different moments of confirmation. And um, I did a lot of things professionally before I pursued counseling. And when I look back, the through line is really a passion to help people. And for me, working as a as a counselor is the ultimate expression of that. And um, So I think, yeah, just underpinning every pursuit and every previous career and passion has been a desire to really help people. And um, I think also looking back, that role of helping people process and come to different perspectives and get to know themselves better, get to know the Lord better. um, That's something that I enjoyed doing from a young age. Um, So now being in that role full time makes a lot of sense. Um, to me when I look back. 
I think so much of our stories make a lot more sense when we look back, right? (laughs) Like, okay, God, I know what you were doing now, Mm -hmm. but in the midst, it's sometimes harder to understand that. Uh, But you're also actually also an author in your devotional. It's titled Seasons of Waiting, and it is an invitation to hope, which is kind of how we're correlating today's conversation. But before we get into that, I'd love for you just to share what you have waited on or are maybe even waiting on even still. Yeah. So I would say like most of us, um, I've had a lot of different seasons of waiting. There's been a lot of different things that I've waited on my life little and big. And, um, I, but I would say that the, the primary season of waiting, that's the one that's really challenged me the most, most has been waiting for a family of my own, waiting to get married, waiting to start a family. And, um, I, I really wanted to be intentional though, as I wrote this book, um, to yes, incorporate the details of my own story, but not in a way that would alienate someone else if their waiting season or story looks different than mine. Um, Because I think the thing that became even more clear as I was writing the book is is really the, the feelings that we experience when we wait are what unites us. There's this um, this therapeutic term that I, I think of a lot, it's called universality. And um, it's this idea that um, all of us as humans understand what it is to um, experience joy, sorrow, disappointment, grief. Um, and so waiting, when we're waiting, regardless of what it is that we're waiting for, um, we all know what it is to move through those different experiences and feelings. And so wanting it to be a balance of both, um, putting my own story of waiting in there, um, as well as highlighting just the overall human experience of waiting so that everybody can find their own unique story in the book. Well, I'm interested through your counseling practice what have you found are some of the most common seasons of waiting that cause us to be so hopeless? Mm, that's a great question. I would say the the seasons of waiting that I encounter probably most often with clients would be, you know, uh, waiting for women struggling with infertility, um, having difficult time conceiving and, and starting a family, um, waiting for a spouse, uh, waiting for, um, emotional, mental or emotional breakthrough. Um, you know, clients often come into my office really frustrated and hopeless, um, and kind of at a loss because they've tried so many different things, um, to overcome anxiety or depression or relationship challenges. And, um, they feel like they're kind of in a perpetual state of waiting, um, and there's a lot of grief that comes along with that. So, and then of course, um, physical ailments, um, clients that are dealing with chronic illness, um, even, even the experience of, uh, grief, the, the loss of a loved one waiting to, um, waiting for some relief that a life just now it, it feels and looks so different and waiting to find some sense of normalcy, um, within, you know, a reality that now is very different for them. So I know that was kind of a, a lot of different scenarios, but um, I would say those are probably the ones I'm encountering most often. I'm just thinking about all the people that waited, um, you know, biblically. I mean, that there's story after story. Do you have a favorite biblical story of someone who 
had to wait. Hmm. Oh gosh. My mind goes on on all cylinders because I think of so many, so many different people. Um, Hannah was the first one that came to mind. Um, her, her story is one that I went back to a lot and have gone back to, um, even now. And, uh, just the way that she engaged God and her struggle just feels so honest and the way that her struggle is depicted feels so honest, so human. Um, and, um, so I think of her, I think of Joseph, um, going through so many years waiting for his dream to be fulfilled. Um, yeah. So there's so many people that come to mind, but I guess Joseph and Hannah are two that are top of mind. Yeah. No, those are two that come to top of mind for me too. Um, and I'm even just thinking about like Abraham and Sarah, how long they had to wait for, um, for their children. And, and, and really throughout the whole, we were tempted and I say this quite a bit, but we're tempted to read even the Bible as a really like a, a start and a finish. And we kind of forget like how long actually things actually took in the Bible because we can read it in one sitting. Um, and so then we get frustrated in our own lives when God just doesn't like, we pray about something and he doesn't just snap his fingers because we know he can and just make things happen immediately. But like, there's so many lessons um, to learn in our seasons of waiting. Um, and then in my devotional, a little goes a long way. I really looked at like how Jesus knew the power of personal invitations too. And he extended them often. He invited people to rest and see and drink and dine, take up the cross to be renewed and to be blessed. And I love the thought that you explore in your devotional about an invitation to hope. And so I'd love for you just to uh, elaborate more on that. Mm. Yes. So the first thing that comes to mind is just how much waiting challenges um, hope itself and remaining hopeful. Um, I think because we're navigating so much disappointment as we wait, that hope can kind of get lost in the shuffle of that. And um, in my own experience of waiting and seasons of waiting, just noticing how how waiting is an invitation to hope in particular. And really one of the big aha moments for me um, in my seasons of waiting and also as I was writing the book was how do I remain hopeful while also acknowledging and um, accepting the reality that's currently in front of me. And there's so much tension in that, um, holding on to hope while acknowledging my present reality. And that was that was a, um, a balance that took me years and years and years to figure out how to live into intellectually. I understood it. Um, but how to actually live in this both and place of holding on to hope while also, um, navigating the waiting still. Cause I think it's, it's easy to be hopeful when there are physical evidences that support hope, right? But um, the most challenging time to hope is when there isn't any physical evidence of, of hoping or that um, it's even safe to hope. Um, so wanting that to be a part of kind of the, the larger reframing of waiting, that waiting is an invitation to hope, even if you don't have the physical evidence to support it. I'm just thinking as you're talking, like we're all, I think everybody probably is waiting on something and the universal thing that we're all waiting on is the second return of, of Jesus to come back, you know, like it just really is, it really is all of our stories. And so I'd love to hear 
How do you think that our seasons of waiting expose what we really believe, really, mm-hmm. really believe about God, really believe about ourselves just in general? Yes, that is a loaded question and a really good one. Um, I think one part of kind of how and why it exposes what um, we believe is because it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, I think in it, whenever we're we're put in a position um, of discomfort or the unknown or uncertainty, it exposes a lot of what's going on internally for us. Um, The fears that we have bubble up to the surface, the beliefs that we hold bubble up to the surface. Um, And so waiting is almost like a microcosm of sorts. Um, It creates, there's an environment, you know, with waiting, there's an environment that is very revealing and very exposing. It challenges us. It kind of puts us face to face with a lot of difficult things. Um, And it's a, it's a beautiful refining process. Um, There's a lot that I didn't realize that I was afraid of, or that I believed, whether it's about myself or God, or even just the way my life, um, like how to engage my life that I wouldn't have known those things without my seasons of waiting. And I think that's the hidden treasure. One of the hidden treasures in waiting is that as much as it's uncomfortable for things like this to be exposed, it's, it's a beautiful process because, um, we can, you know, a lot of things that, that don't really belong, like negative beliefs about God or ourselves, those can be refined and removed through the process of waiting. How do you think that we can wait well? (laughs) Is there such a thing as waiting well? (laughs) And then like you just mentioned, it's a way that we can refine our character and refining. I mean, when I think about biblically, how it describes refining, it's like refined in the fire, you know, or like the rubbing of like a pearl and how it gets, you know, shiny. And um, so I don't know, it's Mm -hmm. not a comfortable process, but it's a Mm -hmm. good process, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we can wait well, but, but when I say wait well, I want to make sure that I'm not supporting this idea that, um, that it's waiting perfectly. Um, I feel like that distinction is really important. Um, waiting well, I think looks like availing yourself to a really uncomfortable process and it's not only an invitation to hope, like waiting is also an invitation to, be really honest with yourself and with God, an invitation to be vulnerable, um, an invitation, not just vulnerable with God, but vulnerable with others because waiting outside of community is really, really, really hard. Um, We need our people as we navigate seasons of waiting. So yeah, I think waiting well is not synonymous to waiting perfectly. I think it's it's um, simply being available to to the uncomfortable process of waiting and and seeing that it actually has something to offer you, um, even though it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, and I appreciate your authenticity and vulnerability, and like just to not put unrealistic expectations about how we should wait. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that that is really important. And I'm also interested to hear how our seasons of waiting, how have, how have your own seasons of waiting, I guess, how have they given you more confidence in God's perfect timing? Cause really mm-hmm. we're just trusting that it's in his control. It's in his hands and it will happen when it's supposed to. Right. Yeah. And yeah. if it's supposed to. Right. Yeah. I talk about that 
particular um, the timing piece a lot. It, um, and I and I talk about it a few different ways because it was something that was really challenging for me trying to wrap my head around God's timing as it related to um, my my particular season of waiting. And what it brings up for me, and I try to make this distinction in the book, is between control and agency. So we may not have control. Oftentimes we don't have control over our circumstances, over the timing of when things happen, if they happen. But we always have agency. We always have a voice to use with God, with others. Um, And prayer is one of the most tangible um, expressions of that, that I may not have control over what's happening in my life right now or the timing of it, but I have a voice with God. I have agency to take that pain and that hurt and that, um, that desire to God and, um, and to, to continue to grow in believing that God cares about that. Like he cares about the thing that I care about just as much as he cares about this refining process that I'm walking through. Um, so I think that was a big part of how I reconciled God's timing, like God's perfect timing is, is, um, to kind of ground myself in the reality that, you know, I may not have control over the timing of things or, um, you know, the circumstances, but I do have agency. Um, I can be empowered even within circumstances that are outside of my control. You know, I've never heard it phrased that way, but that makes so much sense to me. Um, And I love that. And something else that is just occurring to me, it's it's like so many of us really, we wait on an invitation to be given to us. We just, we sit back and wait for all these invitations, right? But I'd really like to just encourage us all to, to go first, to quit waiting and extend the invitation to others, whatever that invitation may be. So do you have an example of how a little invitation has gone a long way in your own life? Mm, yeah. So what I think about, and I'm sure this is related um, uh, to what we're talking about right now, but what comes to mind is all of the different places that I've lived and moved to. So I, you know, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, and then um, in 2014, I moved to California. And then um, two and a half years later, I moved to Chicago. And then two years later, I moved to Nashville. So I was perpetually the new girl <laughs> for like the last 10 years. And I just think about um, the power of um, both receiving invitations and giving invitations as it related to creating community in each one of those places. Um, I think I really learned through those through those different um, places I've lived in different seasons, um, how to be a good friend, um, like how to show up and be vulnerable and put myself out there and, and how powerful it was when others invited me into their communities. And, you know, when I look back now being in Nashville, almost five years, some of my most dear, dear friends came out of those those relatively short seasons. And I can't even imagine my life without them. Yeah. And, and how much, you know, back circling back to the, your book, mm-hmm. like how much, when, when we come alongside each other in community and like you even said this earlier, like when we are waiting in isolation, it's even worse. Mm-hmm. And so how can we give hope and encouragement through a simple invitation 
to somebody else maybe in their season of waiting or whatever season they may be. So mm-hmm. um, I know this commu- this idea of community is so important and I want to stay connected with you, Barb. I'm sure listeners are going to want to get to know you even more and, and connect with you. So how can we best do that? Mm-hmm. So my website is barbhillauthor.com. Um, so we could stay connected there on Instagram. Um, it's barbs underscore hill. Um, I think those are probably the, the two best ways. Well, thank you so much, Barb, for being my guest and for giving us an invitation to hope in mm-hmm. every season. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's conversation with Barb Hill. We hope that today encouraged you to believe that a little invitation goes a long way. And so this week, our little task is to extend an invitation. Who is God laying on your heart to extend an invitation to? And have you accepted the invitation that Jesus has offered to you? And who will be your plus one? If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram or Facebook. I would love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive your weekly love offering newsletter. And all of this information can go straight to your inbox each week. You can also find the shop. You can find the past podcast episodes. You can read the blog and you can download free resources, including the A Little Goes a Long Way conversation guide, the guided journal, and a list tracker. Next week, my guest is Jennifer Hand. She is going to be talking and joining me to discuss how a little yes can go a long way. So I can't wait to chat with you again then. But until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.